Playing the ukulele badly because this podcast is self-produced. Weird stuff has happened in the past and here I am to tell you about it, I guess. Yeah, I will. Yeah. Absurd Real History. Hello and welcome to Absurd Real History, the podcast where I find weird stories and find equally weird people to tell the events too. This week mm. I am... So excited to be joined by the wonderful, let's see if I can get all of these right, writer, improviser, performer, puppeteer, musician, I am probably forgetting a few things, uh, but the legend Mark Campton. Oh, that's good enough. That's, that's well remembered. Many of those things. Yes. Thank you. Legend, I didn't even say. <laughs> that wasn't, I, it would be strong of me to just introduce my... What do you want me to uh, call you on the podcast? Uh, could you call me Legend, please? Just that, That's one of my credits that I like to have. Uh, thank you. It's great to be here, Saoirse. I realize the, the topic that we're covering, you actually did a podcast episode oh, in a similar really? vein. So you recently did an episode on the Olympics. Yeah. So... I mean, I know everything about it already because we do a lot of research on our podcast um, where we play characters who pretend they know about history, but uh, really just make up a whole lot of nonsense on the spot. So you do the do the research to make sure you don't accidentally say anything correct. That may be it. That may be do, it. Yeah. Do you know much about the Olympics in general? Mm, I don't really watch a lot of sports. Me neither. Uh, <laughs> but... I mm, what do I know? I know about uh, when they were started. I know the WB Yates won a medal in the Olympics, or Jack Yates rather. Jack Yates won a medal in the Olympics. Do you know that? I didn't actually. Here we go. What they used to have painting in the Olympics, and Jack Yates won a medal. Yeah, there used to be all kinds of wacky things at the start of the Olympics. What I've specifically researched is the 1904 Olympics, which were particularly ridiculous. Okay. It's surprising no one has made a movie because there's everything from like an overarching villain to just... Really? Yeah. I don't know anything about that. Yeah. So the 1904 Summer Olympics happened in St. Louis, America and was the strangest Olympic Games ever to have happened. It was only the third Olympic Games of like the Mm. way we have it now. So the first games were held in Athens in 1896. And things went wrong in that first Olympics too. For instance, the swimming competition was just in the ocean against extremely rough currents. And also (laughs) in the early times of the Olympics, I don't know if you know this, but it was specifically just for amateurs. So they didn't let professional athletes. Yeah. Do you know why though? Sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna be trying to tell you more than you're telling me because that's just the kind of person I am. I was I was warned of this. I was warned that Mark <laughs> probably knows everything already. But I'm like, I need that because see what I do is I have very little knowledge and then I just really intensely research one small thing. Ah. So I, I'm happy to have other opinions. Well, to my knowledge, the idea of being an amateur of them having it just being amateurs in the Olympics is because it was started by a bunch of toffs and they were like, well, we don't want like, we want to row. We don't want somebody who actually works down the docks to compete against us. Cause that's not fair. Cause they actually do this for a living. So yeah. it was to keep out the oiks basically was the whole <laughs> amateur thing. 
so just Tofts could afford to actually uh, compete in the Olympic Games. Yeah, it was it was just like a bunch of rich guys who became fascinated with the ancient, yeah, civilized, like with the ancient games and kind of morphed it into something completely different. Yeah, just too much money and nothing to do. They were like, um, <laughs> I don't know, let's just run around and see who's fastest. Let's just get some people swimming in freezing ocean. Um, and like you have reports of that, that, fir- that first one, if it was just spectators just watching amateurs like struggle to survive rather than actually swimming across the ocean well which is yeah. it gets more interesting i guess than yeah just... that's more like a japanese game show at that point yeah yeah let's yeah. bring that back interestingly enough yeah i've never really watched the olympics i didn't really know anything about it it's always one of those things that you know you feel guilty almost for not knowing more about it at least in the standard that it is I know. You feel guilty about that. Okay. I only did once. I don't know. I think I was like 14 and the boy I liked, liked the Olympics. And then I just felt like an idiot for never having watched it. Yeah. And then like a few of us at the house. And it's like, oh, let's watch this, this swimming. Like, yeah, totally would love to watch the Olympic swimming. And I was just very bored. It's <laughs> very, very bored. There's a friend of mine who uh I first met when we were in a play together in the first year of college and he auditioned for that play just because he fancied someone else who was auditioning and he was like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm auditioning for that too. I don't think she even got into the play or or something (laughs) like that. Uh, But then, yeah, it kind of changed the course of his whole life as in he's a scriptwriter now having, you know, just started doing drama because he fancied a girl. Yeah, I know someone with a similar story. Oh. Maybe it's the same person. I but... somehow <laughs> doubt. But I also, I also, I also somehow, somehow doubt it. And um, he was big into sports in secondary school, and then Absolutely auditioned not. for a play because girl he fancied was in it, yeah. and then went on to do um, drama in college, and is a very good actor. He's not a yeah. writer, so it's probably a different person. It's great yeah. to know that these are ways we can get men interested in the arts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of depressing, but it's something. <laughs> yes. It, that's the only reason guys will do anything is just, are there chicks involved? That's how they start just a, a, any venture. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Probably the first Olympics. Probably first the first Olympics. Olympics was like... That's how they, they got people yeah, interested. It was like, oh, there's chicks involved? Oh, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm going to do that. Yeah, swim in the ocean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Things there were no chicks involved. It, it was all men, mainly. Oh, yeah. When did the first women uh, come into the... I think it was like... Hmm, I can't remember. I thought a woman won a medal for... There was, there was like... Um what you call it, town planning as well was an event in the first Olympics. Yeah, I I didn't come across that. I know, I think the second Olympics in Paris was the first time women were allowed to compete, but in very specific sports. Sure. I know in the 1904 Olympics, mm. um, art, women, it was the first time women were allowed to compete in archery. Of course, there is only six women out of the, in the 651 participants. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And it was just archery, I believe, in, in, in that one. And then kind of tennis. And then every now and again, these random these random sports. Yeah. So, yeah. But the reason we have a lot of these weird sports 
in the early Olympics, particularly like the second and third one, the one in Paris and the one in St. Louis, is because it was held in conjunction with the World's Fair. Ah. Um, so they were kind of, a lot of the events were kind of blurred. This also mm-hmm. wasn't good for the Olympics because it took spectators and attention away from the games, which kind of led them to be flops because you're having, you know, the, the World's Fair on at the same time. Yeah. So you're like, the t- attention's divided. Yeah. Let's talk more specifically about the mm-hmm. 1904 Olympics okay. and this this saga, because uh, it is ridiculous. Um, very yeah. ridiculous. To begin with, it was meant to be in Chicago, not in St. Louis at all. Uh, but in 1903, they had scheduled a huge, a huge exposition to commemorate the 100th year anniversary of the Louisiana Purchase. Uh, they couldn't pull it off in time, so they decided to do it in 1904. And they didn't want a big international event taking place in the same year, in the same area of America. So the organizers essentially bullied the Olympic Committee and Chicago in um, by like tactics such as, oh, we'll hold our own sporting event here and drive in more people away. And it essentially it worked. Wait, who, who was saying we're going to hold our own sporting James event? James Sullivan from Missouri. Was it St. Louis? In St. Louis. Okay, St. Louis said, we're going to have our own thing, so you might as well just bundle the Olympics in with this as well. Yeah. Okay, right. And we're going to have a bunch of different sports. Uh, uh, (laughs) Egg on the head race and um, flying uh, paper. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. They're essentially just like, Oh, it's just it's just so awful. It's like, oh, I don't want any any competition. You're gonna ruin our event. Just have us do your event instead. Even though Chicago would have been a better <laughs> yeah, city yeah, yeah. for various reasons. It's at the time it was much easier to get to. So as you know, like these early Olympics, they didn't have any rules or regulations. Any contestants could sign up really at any time, even just before the race. Uh the games lasted over four <laughs> months which is insane when, cause I think modern summer Olympics, it's two weeks is the, all of the events and everything. Yeah. So over two yeah. months and um, the games also well lacks any international contestants really at all, because a lot of, particularly from Europe to get to Missouri, you would have had to have taken a boat and then, you know, traveled across to the, like the center of America, which is a difficult journey. Yeah. So most of them weren't bothered. And you also had the Russo Japanese war, uh, Pierre de Coubertin, the founder of the Olympics, didn't even bother to attend these ones in St. Louis, um, which I thought is pretty telling. Yeah, he, w- I know the yeah he wasn't he didn't want to move it to St. Louis from Chicago, but eventually he caved and kind of had to. Um, he he wrote about it. I had a sort of presentment that the Olympiad would match the mediocrity of the town, which is a bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he wasn't wrong. I've been but- to St. Louis uh it's a mediocre town that's what they say on the billboards on the way in what <laughs> louis a mediocre town i mean you get you get what you get mm. i went to a wedding uh of a friend of mine a guy who happened to uh get involved in the arts because he wanted to uh, impress a girl that uh, he fancied <laughs> anyway years later he got married um uh, to to a different woman and they got married in her hometown of Galesburg, Illinois, which isn't too far from St. Louis. And 
Yes. Yeah, so we went to Galesburg and at, at great expense. It takes, you know, it takes ages. I So I flew there and I actually stopped in St. Louis because a friend of mine lived in St. Louis. And then we drove up to Galesburg from St. Louis. But afterwards, for years, uh, said person, Nikki Murphy, would brag about like how cheap a wedding was in Galesburg, Illinois, because it's a town that you've never heard of and everything is far cheaper there. And I was like, yeah. Because we pay for it. Because we had to fly to that place. Like, it was yeah. way cheaper for you. It was far more expensive for us. Yeah. <laughs> go to Galesburg, Illinois. Anyway, St. Louis. I stopped there for, like, uh, a night. And um, basically, so no- nothing, really. I didn't go up the arch or anything. So you can yeah. picture the scene. If we're going yes, back exactly. to 19- 1904. Um, this is just the Olympics, the World's Fair, the all these events taking off this town and why yeah. if you found it difficult to get there now why in 1904 a lot of people were just like you know what yeah. let's just not bother. the competition <laughs> is is making it to to the competition like yeah if you can get here you're in with a good shout uh yeah. but apart from that no so out of the 651 olympians 526 of them were from america with the closest number being the 56 from canada so it was essentially just North Americans competing. Yeah. As it should be. As it as it should be, the classic, classic Olympics. So yeah, uh, Americans got most of the medals. Even now, a lot of people don't think that these games should count, but they do. They do count. They're an official third Olympics that we know, mm. know today. Uh, loads of people in the swimming competitions got sick because the, it was held in a polluted green pond. is that one of the rules uh does it specifically say it needs to be yeah i don't know world records probably wouldn't count unless they were also held in a polluted green pond uh after that yeah i think just more like the races or at least the sports that they can they can count i couldn't really find out that much information about this polluted green pond because i wanted i don't know why but i really wanted to know more yeah where is it can you visit it now? It was on a university campus. I'm not sure if it's still okay. standing now. Um, I don't think it was like a huge remembered thing. Like at the time, the Olympics weren't really that massive in terms of spectator- yeah. spectators, particularly with the World's Fairs. The World Fairs events blended with the Olympics, allowing for some very unusual contestants. We were talking about this. You know, that's why we had a lot of these weird sports. Uh, one thing that I think was great is... Did you know we had Gaelic football in the 1904 Olympics? I did not know that. It's the one and only wow. time that Gaelic football has been an official Olympic sport. Wow. Was it like, who was playing? American American teams, like recently immigrated Irish people, I assume, because there's a lot of ga teams okay. in America and hurling as well. Wait, so it was USA versus USA? Yeah. How was that even... How was that even uh, in the Olympics? Well, got to have were, at least another country in yeah. there, surely. Well, what I thought was funny as well is there was uh, also hurling, which I thought was yeah. great. There was no bronze medalist awarded, just sure, just gold and silver, which leads me to believe that there was only two American teams competing in the hurling thing. Yeah. So if you lost, you got second still. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> why would there be silver no, medal. no third? I'd take that. So yeah, Gaelic football. I think we should bring that back. Uh, tug of war as well. Mm. 
I mean, that's still a sport. Why is that not in the Olympics anymore? When did they get rid of that? Doesn't say. I don't know. Because it, it was there for a while. This wasn't the first time. Like, tug of war was there for a while. And I guess it... I don't Probably know. Maybe just... there's not really skill involved. I mean... I, Jesus, I mean... If we're going to say that... Uh, you know, I mean, there's as much skill in tug of war, surely, as there is in a race. There's still tactics and stuff uh, yeah. in in a race, oh. even though they're just running around. Maybe there's just not really any competitive tug of war teams out there. Like, there's not the com- very much. The that, that's true. I remember in my f- in the school sports day, uh, I would always fail all the sports days, and um, fail we did. Fail. I don't know. I, I don't remember bad. there was a failing grade in sports day. Well, I was the kid that like you have failed I, sports I, day. I no, like they wouldn't let me finish races because I was too slow. They're like the race finished ages ago. I'm like, no, but can I can I just finish the race? Like, and they're like, no, no. But we did tug of war at the, and it was at the end of the day, and they had all these leftover medals. So they were just giving out, like, if you lost into the tug of war team, you just got a silver medal because they had loads, loads of excess ones, and then we're just giving them out. And it felt very unearned. <laughs> you had lost a tug of war and got a silver medal as this, like, second team. It's the one race that you can finish. Yeah, at least, yeah. you know, there's the team element, yeah. team element of it. So, yeah, what else did we have? Oh, yeah, something called Indian club swinging. Oh, sure. Good. Again, couldn't really figure figure out that much. Although another bit of uh, some some Irish Irish pride for you, on top of having Gaelic sports and hurling in the mm-hmm. third ever Olympics, there was this race called the All Round, which would become the decathlon. It was like an early version of the decathlon before they like finessed it. Finished was... on ten. They were like, yeah, nonathlon just doesn't sound good. We'll call it the All Round. The All Rounder. Do a few things. Yeah. Spin some plates. Some. Play a game of Hurley. Um, but that was won by an Irish guy, Thomas Keeley. Okay. And not only that, but he paid his own fare to the games because he refused to comp- compete under the British flag. Oh. Even though like they offered to sponsor him and send it up. Of course, this was kind of... So was he just competing independent, non, non-nationally? Do you know? See, it's, it's kind of hard for me. To, it's kind of hard for me to like figure this out mm. essentially as far as i can, can tell at the time they were considered a great britain and ireland or like mixed teams but then because ireland hadn't wasn't independent yeah. it's just down in all of the books as being uh britain yeah so it's i think i think his it was more of a political statement more than anything else because you know ireland wasn't a republic yet he couldn't fly under the irish flag no. but he was just specifically choosing to not compete as part of a, the British team. Yeah. Britain didn't actually send anyone over. And as far as I'm aware, they sent six people and none of them were actually English. As far as I could find, most of them were Irish and a few from other colonies. Hmm. So they didn't really seem to care that much about uh, the Olympics this year, as I think most people in Europe um, but just some interesting things to note before we talk about the the marathon, which is the big, okay, the big guns sure. of this whole story, was that an American gymnast George Iser won six medals, even though he had a wooden leg, which I thought was pretty impressive, and that's you know good for him. Yeah, six ma- a gymnast six. Well, okay, yeah, yeah, 
And Frank Kugler remains the only Olympic athlete to compete first in three different sports, wrestling, weightlifting, and tug of war, which I'm sure the wrestling and weightlifting helped with. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> if you have the strength. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the the marathon. Have you heard of this marathon? Mm, I don't know. I don't think so. I've heard of marathons. Yes. yes. <laughs> unless this is the guy who got in a car and drove to the end. Ooh, uh, unless I'm spoiling it. That's part of this story. Okay. Because that's only a fraction of it. Yeah. Right. Uh, that yeah that happened. But it was kind of more. It wasn't just that. It was that all this mad stuff happened in the same marathon okay yeah and yeah. it was just a like wacky racers disaster. in a way jibber wacky racers only a little more depressing <laughs> at times uh that's a good tv pitch it's like wacky racers except a little bit more depressing at times well that will be the tagline for when this is eventually made into a movie mm-hmm. i think that'd be a great movie tagline i don't really know that much about the like about marathons or how long they are but it's it's a long race uh, so in this you don't know how long a marathon is it's like i i did look it up for this it's written down here somewhere like f- around 42 kilometers which is it's 26 and a quarter miles i think and a quarter mile. yeah it, the theory being that that's the distance from marathon to athens but they measured out 26 miles for one of the first marathons in london and then they uh the fourth marathon the fourth Olympic. The fourth Olympics was in London? Yeah, because that was the well, one after this one. It may or may not have been in that. It may have just been a random marathon. Mm. But this is where they figured out what the length of it should. Or or, or after that, they figured out this is what the length. Because So they, fi- they, they got 20, first 26 miles. And then they were like, actually, no, wait. It should finish in front of Buckingham Palace or something like that. And so they had to add an extra quarter of a mile on to actually finish in front of Buckingham Palace from the from where they originally had the finish line. So that's why it's 26 and a quarter miles. Ah, interesting. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, but at this time as well, they didn't have a track for it. So the marathon was just happening around St. Louis. That's how ma- marathons happen now. <laughs> yeah, but but like particularly bad <laughs> <laughs> okay as in uh, as in like nowhere was sectioned off is what i like yeah there's no, yeah, there yeah. no area sectioned off yeah. so in this Do race you know about have... my friend of mine told me this story about this marathon or half marathon which was happening in galway and in the countryside and uh, the idea was they were just going to loop around this this particular course a couple of times and that would be the length of the marathon so there was a guy driving a quad bike ahead of the marathon to show them what the course was. And once they've gone around once, then yeah. they just know it and go around again. But uh, he got distracted halfway through because his, his sheep had escaped his field. No. So he was like, oh, my God, my sheep. And he and he drove off into a field trying to chase his sheep. And the whole marathon is wandering after him like, oh, I guess we... I guess it's over this field then. Sounds like a scene in Arrested Development or something like that. It's, uh, sometimes, 
Sometimes Ireland is like a cliche of an Ir- of Ireland, basically, in some film. And you're like, oh, God, yeah, that's exactly what we are like. Except that is exactly what we're like. And that's exactly what ap- yeah, actually happens. Yeah, it's like that age-old joke of when you, like, meet an American and they're like, oh, you're from Ireland? Do you know such and such? And you're like, oh, just because I'm in Ireland doesn't mean I know. Oh, fuck, I actually do know them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, so... In this, in this one, we had 32 participants, again, mostly American. And we also had 10 Greeks who had never run a marathon before in their life or anywhere close to that rate. Sure. Uh, two tribesmen from the Swana tribe, Len Tao and Jan Marsen, um, who were participating mm. in the World's Fair exhibit of the Boer War, which is all kind of messed messed up. Wow. They had no shoes and they were the first African Olympic athletes. Just to say about that, the Boer War, War finished in 1902. Yeah. So in 1904, yeah. it, they had hired people who had fought on both sides to take part yeah. in recreations of it for the fair. Only two years later. Wow. Which seems very messed up. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if if people can come together to be like, can we turn a profit out of this? I mean, that's great. That's, you know. That is the only Maybe saving there should grace. be more of that. Yeah, that is the only saving grace is that they at least were well paid. Mm. Um, as, as awful and gross as the whole concept of human zoos and having them recreate a war that they were yeah. taking part in like yeah. two years afterwards. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, very... Very racist, very racist. But I still think it's great that they participated in the race and they're not really remembered at all. Mm. Um, but yeah, first African Olympic athletes. It's kind of cool. Um, also, mm. uh, we're going to have this this guy. We have a Cuban and former mailman, Felix Carbajal. He crowdfunded money to get to the games and subsequently lost it all gambling as soon as he arrived in New Orleans or Narlands, as I'm told, the, the locals call it. Um, he then had to walk and hitchhike all the way to St. Louis. It's You can see photos of him with all the other athletes um, from this time. And it's really funny because you have people in like running gear, like like white t-shirts and like running shorts. Um, I know our, our lads from Africa weren't wearing any shoes, but other than that, they were pretty like, you know, they had the proper enough retire. He was just in mm-hmm. like standard street clothes. Like he had long like work trousers. He was wearing a beret, like a long sleeved like shirt. Another Olympian like saw him and just got a pair of scissors and was like, you can't run in those, man. And just cut his trousers into running shorts. I mean, with uh, <laughs> Felix allowing him to do that or he just weighed in? Yeah. He was just like, listen. No, I know Felix was like, oh, I have a point there. Sure. He arrived just in time. He was not a competitive runner. Um, he didn't qualify for the Cuban Olympic team and the Cuban delegation had no idea he was going to appear. But he showed up in time for the marath- marathon and they just kind of let him run. Yeah. I mean, that as I say, like that was the competition. If you can get there, you're in. Yeah. Exactly. And he was wearing like work boots as well, which weren't good for. I don't think running. they use them that much for running marathons these Sports. days. No, no, no. Um, so they're kind of our, our 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 headliners. You got American runners, this guy from Cuba, um, our tribesmen. 
So on August 30th, 1904, the race began. Now, the weather was in the 30s. So to Mm. put that in perspective, modern race organizers are advised to postpone races if the temperature goes above 21 degrees. Above 21, wow. And this, and but yeah. it was in the 30s nah, in nah, nah, nah. Louisiana. Yeah. Heat. Yes. And as I was saying before, there was no designated track. So men were like having to dodge traffic because automo- automobiles have very recently become a thing. Yeah. And to really like make matters worse, our man, James Sullivan, who again was one of the main organizers, was the, was the main guy who threatened to do their own sporting event. So he's just like not a, not a good guy. Yeah, but he wanted to use the race to do a scientific experiment because at mm-hmm. the time there was, you know, this common research or pop. It was kind of this time of these mad pop science experiments of like, oh, let's see what happens if we just give people cocaine for twenty hours straight, mm. or those kind of weird experiments. So he used the race to test the effects and limits of purposeful dehydration. <laughs> um, yeah. So, well, where, what were the, the results of that? Actually, I'd be interested to see. Is was that good or was it uh, was that bad? I, I think it was bad. Uh, it was bad. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. There was only two areas throughout the track that athletes could secure water throughout the whole run. Um, one only official one. So there's a water tower at the one quarter mark, which apparently the sanitation wasn't great, especially if you weren't used to it. And a well at the halfway point, which meant for the entire second half of the race on one of the hottest days of the years, because in the 30s, mm. uh, there was no water. They're like The contestants couldn't get access to water. Uh, I don't know if you know about modern marathons. No. But the yeah, so I looked it up and the average marathon today will have around eight to 12 hydration stations along the way. And not race above 21 degrees. Yeah, but would they be doing that if they hadn't done the experiments? You know, it's all very well saying, oh, we know what the results of the we experiment are now that so we're going to implement them. But unless they've done the experiment, you can't prove that uh, <laughs> a a water tower full of uh, unsafe water isn't just good enough. You, to... don't, you don't know. Maybe not drinking any water in blistering heat will make you run mm-hmm. faster. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And you'd be dying for a glass of water, so you'd want to finish the race. You know, if we if this experiment had never been done, to this day, we could be, like, maybe that is a thing. Yeah. You know, maybe if we just dehydrate ourselves and drink no water. But even in 1904, I think you knew water was kind of a, a good... <laughs> a Are you saying based upon... Um, the information your body uh, gives you yeah. when you are thirsty. Yeah, that's probably true. Well, you, you uh, <laughs> but you know, I know some people today who don't drink water. Yeah, I bet they have great skin. Yeah, I mean, I know someone who runs, does long distance running, and never she never drinks water. Just uh, brandy. It's just, I guess, tea sometimes. I don't know. But yeah, this is this is not just a joke. She doesn't drink water. Yeah. There, I, I drink a lot of water, primarily because when I was a child, I was addicted to Ribena. And all I would drink was like, but like really, con- like I'd have like pint glasses that was half the concentrate and then half the water. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I started getting really bad headaches and throwing up <laughs> purple. <laughs> And I had Jesus. to, and 
I was really fussy, so I didn't like fizzy drinks or anything else. So I was like, I have to cut out the Ribena and just went straight to just pints of water. Yeah. At what age did you, were you cutting out the Ribena? I was like around eight, I think, eight or nine. It was a really bad addiction. Like I was. And you decided, were you just like, around going cold turkey? I think it was just a, like, I was just feeling. When you're vomiting up purple stuff, you're like, actually, even an eight year old is like. Yeah, Yeah, well, it wasn't, it wasn't making me vomit. It's just whenever I did vomit, it was bright purple. (laughs) <laughs> it was it was that I was getting really I was getting really bad headaches is what started yeah. happening like really bad headaches and I was uh I don't like I mean this could have been because I was a kid and I had older sisters but they were saying my skin was starting to turn purple with like a purple <laughs> hue which I, I like which could just be them being mean mm. but I'm inclined to believe it I've translucent skin and I drank a lot of concentrated ribena. <laughs> I mean you know Again, if you don't carry out the experiment, how do we know? Yeah. And since then, I've drank every, and then I drank loads of water, obsessively drinking water. Um, mm-hmm. Although I haven't been so good during this year, I think, because I always carry around a bottle of water with me. So if I'm out and about, I have it and I'm drinking it and I'm refilling it. Whereas I've, since mm-hmm. I've just been sitting at home a lot, I realize I'm not drinking as much water. I'm doing my own dehydration experiment. Yeah, okay. But yeah, it didn't work out. There were people begging for water and James was like, nope, <laughs> nope. <laughs> and it gets it gets even worse though because... But he doesn't have the, um, what do you call it? The It's not a double blind test, you know? This isn't scientific. Yeah. No. You need the people who are drinking the water to compare against. Yeah. The control, yeah. the control group. Yeah. Where are they? James. Yeah, that's a very good point. Very good point. So because they were doing this experiment, um, they had cars following, like following the runners as they were going to just like monitor the event, you know, make sure people mm. didn't see die, how fast they died, see how fast they yeah. die, try and stop them dying. Yeah. But they were driving record of that. just in front of everyone. And this was like the early days of automobiles and roads were also just sand. So it was just kicking up loads of dust and dirt, which caused coughing fits <laughs> among the, the runners. So not only are they mm. dehydrated, are they in this blistering heat, um, but they're they're also getting, they're dehydrated, they're in this blistering heat, and they're also getting yeah. dirt and dust in their, in their lungs. Mm-hmm. Uh, William Garcia, of, um, a Californian runner, nearly died because of this. He collapsed on the side of the road, coughing blood, and was hospitalized with hemorrhaging. And apparently the dust had coated his esophagus and gone down and essentially sandpapered his stomach lining. (sighs) He turned out okay. Like, he didn't die. He turned out fine. (laughs) He ran in the Boston Marathon the following year. (laughs) But he almost died. Yeah, he didn't learn his lesson. Yeah, the, the doctors were like... If we hadn't seen him when we did, he probably would have died on the side of the road, dehydrated, inhaling <laughs> dust. Yeah. So it's not very professional of the Olympics now. Uh, John Lorden. <laughs> John How many people have died during the Olympics? That's a question. I don't know. I mean, there must have been someone during like the modern times. Yeah. Figure, figure that out. Like, even just I mean... like nothing related to the games, just like a heart attack while rowing or while watching well it's just Uh, (laughs) yeah there's definitely been that there's definitely been like i don't know if there's been any deaths 
during an actual sporting event. You no. Know, there was that guy who got the javelin in the arm, but he, I think he survived. Yeah, like he was got he's grand. Like we're not we're just taking deaths, you know, we don't only yeah. hardcore. So yeah, John Lorden suffered a bout of vomiting and gave up. This would be a trend. There was a lot of people getting stomach cramps and then passing out from either dehydration or inhaling dust. Who knows which one mm-hmm. it was? Mm-hmm. Combination of both, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Uh, Len Tao, who was one of one of our men from the Suswana tribe, he got chased a mile off course by a pack of wild dogs. <laughs> Were they unleashed by James as an experiment? We don't know. I don't know. I don't know. He came ninth, though, overall. <laughs> <laughs> Which is interesting because his friend, his friend who wasn't chased off by a dog or a pack of dogs came 12th. So I think that's pretty impressive accomplishment for Len Tao. So even though he was chasing Mal, of course, still well, did that aid him though? I mean, a pack of dogs is going to speed you up. Even if you're going off course, you're going to have more of a kick if there's a pack of dogs just True, chasing you direction. and nobody else. It's the wrong direction. Yeah, but it's still going to get your heart rate going. You're going to get pumped by that. True, true. Do you As know some... about the um, extremely slow cycle race? It's like... I don't know, a week long or something. And they don't go fast, but they don't stop. There's like, they cycle 23 hours a day. There's only an hour of sleep. And that's that's the race. And You have to pee in a bag in those ones. We do in the Tour de France I mean, as well for all cycling. I mean, I'm sure you have to do all kinds of things. But the guy who won it or that was being interviewed uh, is like, he has he slept so little that he's delusional. And that's why he won is because he's like, there's <laughs> zombies chasing him. And he's like, I got to get out of here. And his support team are like, yeah, go, man, go, man. The zombies are coming. The zombies are coming. That's how he won is uh, because uh, he was hallucinating. So, you know, similarly, the dogs, even, even in the wrong direction, uh, I think they could have been an unfair advantage. I think you should have been disqualified, to be honest. I don't think you should have been disqualified. I do think you're on to a point there, though, because I, I, I've been chased by a dog and I have mm-hmm. never ran that fast in my life mm. to this day. Yeah. So there's definitely a point that even after the event, your adrenaline will still be pumping. You know? Did you try and get that into your school sports day? You're like, please, can I just have this dog chase me during the race? No, I'll do it so no. much better. It was a very traumatic experience, one that has left me scarred for years. I, I don't oh. want don't want to uh, re- relive that ever again. No, okay. If you you know, that's the you're lacking <laughs> the killer attitude that a, an Olympic athlete needs. But I guess I guess yeah, I guess you're there's this point there. But I guess I'm just weak. I'm not willing to uh, mm. yeah jeopardize my safety for sports. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Oh yeah, so let's let's check up on our man Felix Carvajal, our Cuban sure, who Felix, just kind of yeah. appeared with a beret. Um, he was doing really, really well. He was co- he was constantly stop, which he was constantly stopping to chat with like the spectators yeah. and just kind of joke with them. So you could kind of see him just stop at, like through the race, just like have a chat with like the locals and stuff. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> which I'd love to see in like a modern day Olympics. Or like marathon, yeah. <laughs> Just like stopping halfway, being like, "So, like, you enjoyed? Like, what's what's going on?" <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, what do you think about? Uh, I don't know. Say, running in work boots. How do you feel about that? Do you think that's a good idea or a bad idea? 
yeah. yeah. Well, I think a lot of it was he had just arrived in time, having hitchhiked and walked from New Orleans with like no money. So I think he was like really hungry and just like maybe elevated to be there. Um, at mm. one point during the race, he saw a car with people eating peaches. He asked them for a peach and they said no. So he stole the two peach two peaches and ran off to continue the marathon, like while munching on the peaches. <laughs> it's just great. Yeah. Just committing theft in the middle of a race. But such in the innocent type of theft. But you're just like, yeah, man, take your take your peaches. <laughs> Again, you know, uh did they give Unfair chase? Advantage uh was that you know was that a tactic to get them to chase him and give him an extra kick in the race maybe Mm -hmm. i don't Mm -hmm. i don't think they chased him i think they're just kind of a bit more perplexed Mm. Uh, later he stopped by an apple orchard and took some apples (laughs) they turned out to be rotten and it gave him a stomach cramp so he laid down and took a power nap yeah and uh he finished fourth wow uh yeah i mean you gotta look at yourself if you're any of the other guys what's going on with you do you have any idea what how long it took him i have the guy who came first i do i didn't i didn't didn't track it down um it it has to this day the like look like the longest amount of time for any olympic marathon races including the previous two races mm-hmm. uh, including the previous two olympics yeah it also has the highest dropout rate uh so 32 <laughs> people entered it yeah. only 14 completed the marathon yeah that's so, that's that's the real iron man you know i think he came fourth because you know maybe he was used to the heat and he wasn't uh, caught up. He wasn't vomiting too much dust or anything. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he had all so, those peaches. I mean, as well, if you're stopping for chats, you're not in the wake of that much dust. You know, the dust car is, exactly. is off he ahead of you. Up at the forefront. Yeah, he's pacing himself yeah. with all the chats. It also has to beg you to think, like, how bad like the conditions were that someone who took a nap managed to get fourth yeah i mean did he did he really <laughs> take a nap did he fall asleep or did he like lie down for a while i don't think he fell asleep i think he just kind of laid down for a sure. while he's getting stomach cramps yeah 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 um, and also now it sounds very dubious uh but i looked this up on multiple sources there are a few things that are kind of a bit iffy but like, you know, that was on the Smithsonian. Like that was from some very legitimate things. <laughs> the Smithsonian. Did he um did he like donate his work boots to the Smithsonian after he ran the race? No, I've just found them to be have really good articles sure. that are well fact checked and resourced and have just it's just kind of a, a site that I found myself on a lot while researching these podcasts for some reason. Yeah. Uh, and it has also taught me, I always knew this, but just in, in general, a side note, how incorrect Wikipedia can be a lot of the time. So although it's like a great source to have, and yeah. I definitely used it, I would always use it more to give myself a basic idea and then yeah. research it more. Um, because there's been a few times where I've been like, Wikipedia said this amount of people. So I've been like, okay. It's just been further proof of of that. Yeah. Yes. So um, Sam Meller was the guy who was winning. He got cramps so bad that he eventually stopped the race. 
And then Fred Lors, who was coming up behind him, also got cramps. And he's the guy that hitchhiked. Mm -hmm. And he was waving past runners and spectators as they they went past. (laughs) Thomas Hicks uh, was an American. He was doing great at the start of the race. But then around the halfway point, he needed a care team because he collapsed. And he was begging for water, but they refused to for, you know, science purposes. So they instead like sponged the inside of his mouth with warm distilled water. Hmm. I mean, so they weren't cruel. <laughs> sponged the inside of his mouth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at that point, the experiment is wasted. So you could just give him a drink of water. Like this is already, you've already destroyed everything with your sponging no. the inside of his mouth. No, they didn't. They they were like no water, but you know what they did feed him. A concoction of rotten apples, strychnine. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Strychnine, 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 and egg whites. The first recorded instance of drug use in modern Olympics. Maybe not strychnine. Strychnine, Strychnine? the poison. Yeah, the rat poison. Yeah. Okay. In small doses. Yeah. In small doses, it's used as a stimulant, and there was no rules at this time. Sure. So they're just giving him a small amount of rat poison, dabbing his mouth with water, giving him some egg white, and then just telling him to get up on his way. Right. So he kept going. He kept going. Oh, fair play. He kept going. And now we're back to, or I'm kind of bringing you through a timeline of the race. So Fred Lors, who uh, was in the car, yeah, he had recovered from his cramps and emerged from the car after... <laughs> His 11-mile lift to the finish line. <laughs> 11 miles. He was seen and ordered to leave uh, the course because there's like, you know, get disqualified. But Loris kept running and finished with a time of just under three hours. The crowd good. roared and began chanting, thinking that he had yeah. won. Alice Roosevelt placed a wreath on top of his head. So obviously, you know, it was 1904. They didn't have media traveling as fast. They just see this guy cross the finish line and assume that he's won the marathon yeah yeah but just before he's going to like win as uh, someone like yelled from the crowd that you know he had taken a car and they'd seen him get out of the car and the cheers turned to booze and then like Lors was just like saying that he had never intended to accept the the medal he just finished and i quote for a joke uh which you know maybe he was just saying that to uh <laughs> you know he got caught yeah 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 but then also, uh, it's a pretty funny joke. That. It's also a pretty funny joke, though. Yeah. Finishing a marathon in a car. Yeah. Being like, yeah, I do it. Don't waste <laughs> to run a marathon. I mean, yeah, you could, you could try. Yeah. He received a lifetime ban, which was revoked a few months later, and he competed in the Boston Marathon less than a year later with a hmm. lot of other people from this race. Yeah. Um. So we're back to back to to Hicks now, who's filled with rat poison and egg whites and no no H two O, maybe a little bit of H two O, but mainly yeah. rat poison, rat poison, blood and, egg, whites, and yeah, yeah. egg whites. His morale had kind of dropped when he had heard that Loris had won, but then when he heard that he'd been disqualified, it kind of made him strive on. Mm-hmm. Uh, his trainers gave him another dose of Stringline and egg whites. And this time they gave him some brandy to wash it down. Mm-hmm. Still no water. Uh, here's a quote from the like race official, Charles Lucas. 
Hicks was running mechanically, like a well-oiled piece of machinery. His eyes were dull, lustless. The ashen colour of his face and skin had deepened. His arm appears as weights well tied down. He could scarcely lift his legs while his knees were almost stiff. Great. I mean, yeah, yeah. You could say that about me most of the time anyway. That's me. High on rat poison all the time. I mean, it gives me, uh, it gives me just a little, you know, kick, top up. Yeah, again, you know, it's, it's the same thing. It's endangering your life will give you an advantage in these things. Yeah. Chased by dogs. Chased by peach lovers. Yeah. Filled with strychnine. So he began hallucinating towards the end of the finish line. Lucky son of a bitch. Why wasn't he disqualified? Um, because he ran the race. He didn't get into a car. He was hallucinating. That's the easiest gig in the world. He was convinced the the finish line was 20 miles away, even though it was only only when he was in the last mile. Mm -hmm. And he was begging for something to eat. And he was begging to lie down. And he was begging for water. And his uh, traders, again, just gave him more brandy, refused him to rest and made him swallow two more eggs. He collapsed as soon as he, <laughs> as he collapsed as soon as he crossed the finish line, uh, with a record of he completed the race in three hours twenty eight minutes and fifty three seconds, and he won. He won the marathon. Yeah, I mean that's still a pretty good time. Yeah, you know, for running a marathon today on on proper roads with water and a lack of strychnine. That's why he came first. Fair play to him. It took four doctors and one hour for him to feel well enough to just leave, like, leave the area. Yeah, but doctors at that point were mostly doing more harm than good. I mean, for example, giving you strychnine. Well, those weren't doctors. Those were scientists and trainers. His trainers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, It was, he finally saw some doctors. I, I think they gave him water and everything. He, in the race alone, just from start from finish, he lost eight pounds. Which three point six kilograms? Yeah, great. Look, yeah, so he's looking good on the podium. Yeah, so that was the marathon. <laughs> <laughs> Which again, it's wacky races, only more depressing. <laughs> I mean, that's uh for a nineteen oh four. That's a laugh, you know that. Who gives a shit at that point? Like, people were dying from all kinds of things. You might as well die in a crazy race. No one died, though. I want to read a, like... Nobody died. died. After this race, though, many argued that the marathon was too dangerous for the competitors and should be abolished altogether. Mm -hmm. Even James Sullivan, the guy who did the experiment and who organized the event... Uh, admitted that it was probably a bit dangerous and probably wouldn't be back in in 1908. I've looked at the results of my experiment and have concluded that it was crazy. Yes, his his rules are, his his quotes is, um, I personally am opposed to it. It is indefensible on any ground, but historic. So he's like, you know what? Glad I did it, but let's not do the marathon ever again. Yeah. Uh, Luckily, the marathon did happen. So good. It's still a thing today. Have you ever been? Have you ever been tempted to run the marathon? Um, no, because I'm not as a sporty. I lack 
uh, muscles and coordination. I did the 10k run to electric That's picnic. I to electric picnic. Yeah, it was a thing. I don't know if they were still doing something similar, but a few years ago, it was basically you raise a certain amount for charity and run 10k and you get to raise all this money for charity and you get a free ticket to electric picnic. But are you running to electric picnic? Yeah, you run from like one area to the entrance of electric picnic. From one area? Yeah, 10, 10 kilometers 10 kilometers. From okay. electric picnic. God, wow. Very good. I, oh, that's good. 10K. Yeah. And it was big for me running. I, I say I wasn't a big runner, but I really did push myself. I say I ran half of it. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could do a marathon. It would take a lot of training, a lot of training. And yeah. I'm also just like, I find running very boring. Yeah, boring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I suppose in regards to like physical activity and, and sports. You know? Yeah. You're just, you're just running. So that's kind of mm. most of the the mad stuff from it. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it wouldn't be fair to talk about uh, the 1904 Olympics unless I'd also talked about the ridiculous, uh, the ridiculously racist event that that was held. But I think it's important just in terms of not like whitewashing history, because I think even in the articles that I was read, it's like, oh, the 1904 Olympics was a mess. It was so funny. This guy took a car and this guy uh, arrived um, and stole two peaches. And it's like, yeah, there's also like a horribly like racist side to it that I'm not, I don't want to just ignore just for the sake of keeping the podcast funny or whatever. It's, it's important to acknowledge that these are strange things and should not happen again. And we should not do scientific experiments on unwitting amateur runners who just want to run a race. Bear in mind, a lot of these people have never even ran a marathon before, and now they're being told to run one without any water. Yeah. Sorry, that's a lot of setup. Basically, in the 1904 games, they also had this event that was known as Anthropology Days. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of this? No. It was basically a two-day contest as part of the Olympics held by James Sullivan, again, the guy who was doing... He's just an awful person, as far as I'm aware. So it's a two-day event where so-called uncivilized tribes were recruited from the World's Fair. Because mm-hmm. So James Sullivan and a couple of his buddies, you know, had this two-day event where they uh, hired them. And to be fair, again, they were well-paid, even though it was pretty, pretty awful. And basically got them to do a lot of typical Olympic sports, like the long jump, archery, javelin throwing, loads, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. but didn't actually instruct them on how the games worked or gave them any sort of training whatsoever uh so naturally they didn't do very well <laughs> as you know you would if you were just given a javelin and go do some javelin having no experience whatsoever or not even being explained what to do until like five minutes beforehand yeah. uh, the event was meant to display and test the natural athletic ability of these uh various other tribes and other parts of society because you know deeply deeply racist anthropology days organizer james sullivan concluded that the events were proof that the and i quote the savage has been a very much overrated man from an athletic point of view and these and again i'm quoting him here you, because- yeah sorry these are quotes so you just you you just want to underline that are you do you this isn't just, this I, isn't your research I'm not- 
this is not my research. I want to go out on a limb here and say, I believe racism is bad. Okay, all right. Okay, I know that's a, a, a big statement um, to make. Yeah. But no, uh, yeah, racism, bad, white supremacy, also bad. Mm-hmm. On the same page here, Mark? Okay, You don't good. have any... <laughs> No, listen. I'm open to all sides. You know, I just I'm 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 listening. You know, that's the important thing. He saw these as proof of the white men's physical superiority. Uh, he was a big white supremacist. Luckily, though, even at the time, a lot of the people uh, see saw it as a demeaning racist sideshow, and most of the spectators were mainly confused when they were like. It seems like from what I could gather from doing my research moment that everyone was just confused. It was just James Sullivan and his organizers just getting a bunch of people and being like, do this. And then them not really knowing what to do and then be like, yes, white man is better. And the spectators being like, what are we meant to be watching? What is going on? Mm -hmm. And then the people competing being like, what are we meant to do with these sticks? What? Okay, I guess you want us to throw things now. (laughs) Olympic founder Pierre de Corbetin Uh, who again, didn't bother to come to these games at all, but he called it an outrageous charade and noted that it would decline. And thankfully the event never came back. But, you know, when we're talking about the mess and how horrible the 1904 Olympics is, I can't not mention that it was also the only Olympics to have a super racist white supremacist event. Hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I think they could still do the anthropology games. How would they do it? Uh, just like, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be tribes people, just from, from all of our modern tribes and just give them things that they've no idea what to do with them and just see just see who figures them out the best, you know? Yeah. But yeah, so that was it. That's the 1904 Olympics. I also think it was really funny that the Greeks were so unhappy with this Olympics in particular, but particularly the one beforehand, which was held in Paris. As I said before, that one wasn't held great either and was also in conjunction with the World's Fair. So that was kind of a flop. Mm -hmm. But the 1904 Olympics was like even worse than the Paris ones for all of the reasons that we stated above. You know, people nearly dying, no organization, only American people. It's the Tokyo drift of Olympic Games, I would say. (laughs) In that you wouldn't think it was coming back from that, but somehow they managed to keep making them and they became even more popular. Yeah. Um, I think a huge part of that is to do with, with this, though. So the Greeks oh. were so unhappy. There was a compromise made and they created something called the Intercalculated Olympic Games. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of these? Mm, don't think so. These happened in 1906. And these events would always be in Athens between Olympic Games. Mm -hmm. And the um, International Olympic Committee agreed that medals received in these games would count towards standard Olympic Games. These were really well organized. Uh, The event was a success. There was no World's Fair to draw attention away from it. Yeah. Um, It was much better organized. You actually had to register to... uh, to compete in a lot of the right. races. Yeah. Uh, which is a good good thing. And it was also the first time they ever introduced an opening or closing ceremonies in the way they do today. Okay. How many of those ran? Oh, just just the one. Just the one. Oh. 
they, they have planned for it to be an ongoing thing. Yeah. Um, but due to various reasons, it kind of fell through. I think World War One was kind of a part of it. They also realized the stress of having two years between games was not mm-hmm. enough time for the organization for all of it. So it was the only year that it happened and the International Olympic Committee went back on what they said about the medals. So anyone that won a medal in 1906 in these intercalculated games, uh, never, like their medals don't count towards Olympic medal things anymore. Jesus Christ. So it just seemed like a compromise to kind of keep them happy. Uh, yeah. Which I can kind of understand uh, considering how terrible the Olympics were. They're kind of like, you did a terrible job. Can we just go back to doing our thing? Because they hosted the first the first Olympic. Athens, yeah. Yeah. The events did help bring public appeal back towards the Olympics as a whole. And that's it. That's everything about I have about the 1904 Olympics. Very good. Which was in Thank you. Insane. I hope you've you've learned some stuff. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> I won't remember it, you know. It'll be a garbled version of it that I'll try and produce later. They, oh, there was a guy in a car with some strychnine. Uh, strychnine, it ran, the car ran on peaches, I think. Ran, car ran. That's, that's how well I'll remember it a month from now. But, you know, I'll try and quote it to somebody. But yeah, that's it. That's everything. Yeah. Uh, thank, Very good. Thank you, Mark, for coming on. Do you want to plug, plug things, plug everything? Everything. I mean, listen, go to markcanton.com. I've got uh, 1,000 podcasts and scripts and um, sketches and a film and I got all my music there. You can you can find my music on every music place, either Mark Canton or my band, The Supermarkets. I have a podcast called Look What's After Happening. If you want the exact opposite to this, uh, it's total nonsense about history with Luke Benson. I will also plug hmm, a friend of mine, Little Oak, has an album called Breaking Dawn, Breaking Light. I always forget Breaking Light, uh, which is really good. Or, or uh, yes, buy some uh, Irish music albums this Christmas. Uh, mm. Get some digital downloads. Um, there's also cool podcasts like watch wrestling with me um is a lot of fun um trying to think of if there's any podcasts that i've been listening to lately which are interesting and niche but uh and n- no it turns out <laughs> so you know just uh yeah good good luck everyone good luck good luck in the world that's a very lovely lovely point to leave us on and as always, I've been your host, Saoirse Shanae. You can reach me at Saoirse Ball on Twitter or at absurdrealhistory at gmail.com. This podcast is produced by my theatre company, Scream for Ireland. So if you want to give all that a, a like and all the various socials, that would be mucho appreciated as well. Uh, so yeah, thank you. Thank you, Mark. You're going to go run a marathon? Thank you. Would you ever run a marathon? Oh, God, no. No. It looks boring. And I hate all the people who are cheering. I used to live on the marathon route. And uh, yeah, just the sound of, like, it just seems stupid. Yeah. Uh, everybody cheering, these people they've never seen before. Yay, go on, Tony. Yeah.